and I'm very excited this morning to be continuing in our series of a life, the life of a disciple. Uh, I was very excited by our time of worship this morning. I really believe that that, that song um, that was introduced this morning is, is a song for this church right now. That is a kingdom, kingdom song for, for right now and, and, a, and a representation of prophetically of what it is that God wants to, wants to do in us. And this wasn't part of my message at all, but over this, this week I was reflecting on, and, I, and now I believe this is a word of the Lord for, for our church. I was reflecting on a time when Elisha was talking to King Jehoash, and he gave him the arrows, and one arrow got shot through the window. You remember, some of you may remember that. But then he gave him another three arrows, and he said, strike, oh no, however, however many arrows were left, strike the, the ground. And the king struck the ground three times, and sort of like, what, what you want and Elisha said said that I, I could go to I'll give you the essence of it was that because you've only struck the ground three times he basically said you're a spiritual wuss <laughs> because you only struck the ground three times you should have done it five or six times you should have given yourself to, to this to this thing and you know after, after this then the, the word was that because of this you're only going to defeat the enemy this many times but then you're going to be overcome and I, if I was the king, I'd go, I'm happy to hit a few more times, but the moment was missed. There's no coming back and going, well, I'm happy to tap a few more times if that's what we need. But the moment was missed, and I believe that that is a word for us as a church right now. Do you believe that? Yeah. That, that we, we want to need, need to strike this ground. Yeah. If, if we want to see the Spirit of God moving here in our midst, we've got, to, we've got to make the most of this right now. And firstly, I speak to us as, as, who are leadership in this church, if you're responsible for people, that is first and foremost for you. This was the king that Elisha was talking to. But this is for everyone because we are all people of influence. Let's strike the ground now. Okay. Now the word that, that God... I, but I do, do believe this is a season that we are, we are in. So the life of a disciple, what it means, and it's the various aspects of what it is to be a, a disciple. And so we're continuing that 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 series this morning, but a quick brush up. What is a disciple? It's a follower, that's right. We've had a, f had a few people who have, have posed this question. It's good to remember, isn't it? So it's a follower, a learner, an apprentice. So we're coming, coming under and learning. So who are we following? Okay, we're following Jesus. That's good, that's the Sunday school answer right there. Um, <laughs> But there, there is it. But it's, but you know, it's true. But ultimately, actually, there is more to it than that, because in addition, there are people that that God will put in your life for seasons that that you may be a disciple of, that you may come under and and learn from or follow, and that might be for a, a season in your life, and that might be for the the whole of your life. Has anyone ever had anyone like that in in your life for a? For a time or maybe someone who's been there yeah so for, for many of, of us here um, paul said in 1 corinthians 11 11 he said imitate me as i imitate christ so paul said there are there are aspects of my life as i imitate christ that that are worth copying that are worth doing these things and paul wasn't wasn't perfect one of my favorite scriptures from philippians when he when he goes on i say favorite and he says, I haven't yet made it. I haven't yet perfected this, this, this thing. So, you know, as he imitates Christ, we can, we can follow him. 
So sometimes we need to follow others. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says that we too are to go and make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. And he promises to be with us to the end of the age. So we are ultimately following Jesus. He is the one that, that, we, that we want to follow. We also might follow followers of Jesus. And we are going to have other people follow us as we follow others following Jesus. That was meant to spin, spin you out a bit there. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So just tell the people at your table it's okay. That Jesus knows where we're going. So as we continue the discipleship series, the topic this week is in the temple. We're looking specifically at what it means to be a disciple and, and in particular the, in, in the temple. So what is the temple? So many nations around the world, there are a lot of, lot of buildings and places and spaces where people come together to worship and to honour their gods, their idols. And this has been the case right throughout history. So some take the, the form of traditional buildings, usually very elaborate and detailed. And there are others that take on different forms, <laughs> depending on what that idol might be. I'm not looking to see if anyone's manifesting this morning. <laughs> so King David had a vision. And, and that was a vision, and that was to, to create the most amazing place, this temple where the Ark of Covenant could be held, could come to rest. And at the time, the Ark was the very manifest presence of God. And so this would be an incredible structure like there had never been, so breathtaking, so elaborate and made of the most exquisite material that it would point to an awesome and glorious God. Now, it was ultimately, it was David's son, Solomon, who ended up fulfilling this. And from all accounts, I wasn't there, from all accounts, it was something to behold. It was ornate with the finest of, of cedars and all these things, elements in it that were lined with gold. This isn't an image of, of the... Uh, the, the temple at all it's it's a, another place of, of worship in the world not even sure where that one is it just looked good i thought it looked very elaborate so solomon ended up being the one who 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 brought this this together and this was the most exquisite thing there was no expense spared in creating this this temple that would point to an incredible god no expense spared there's a bit of a theme this morning with king joash isn't it no expense spared don't hold anything back so it was ornate. And, and since that, that time, we have seen the similar theme in churches around the world, but also secular society have, got, have sort of taken the same idea as well, you know, to create something that, that reflects, you know, a, a glory in a sense, albeit a, a falsehood. But these, these churches throughout history have been built with, with skill and the best tradespeople, and whilst they may not compare to the great temple, they again, the aim was to reflect 
an incredible, powerful and mighty God, the one true God. So does God need it? Does he need the elaborate temple? No, he doesn't. So he is still God without it? Yep, good. Um, is God still God if we're meeting in a town hall? Yep, great. Is God still God if we're meeting in someone's home? Yep. Oh, good, I'm getting the feeling that God is still God in spite of. Uh, but the model of the temple, however, is, is important as, as it serves as a reminder to us of, of a need to set aside time and to set aside effort and focus, to set aside and serve, to meet with God as we also serve our brothers and sisters. So I've got three key points for us today as disciples and as we consider the temple. So first of all, we need a place to come aside. We need, we need a place to, to come aside. In the Old Testament temple, this was a place where heaven and earth met because the ark was, was there. This was this, this place where heaven and earth met. And it, that, that place that reflected the holiness of God through the holy of holiness. And so the, the temple as it was, was a reminder of God's intent to connect with mankind. That's always been the plan. It's always been the plan that God wants to connect with, with mankind. We continue to blow it. God builds covenants with, with man. Man breaks covenant. God never breaks covenant. God, you know, so, and ultimately we've obviously got Christ who, who this, the, the, the ultimate covenant, covenant written in the blood of Jesus. But it's always been God's plan that he wants to engage with mankind. That's mind-blowing. He wants to engage with you. The people would come to the temple, effectively coming as close to God as they were able to. Now, that's really what was happening. They were coming as close to God as they were able to. And so this was a place of prayer, a place of worship, and a place of sacrifice. These are the things that happened in the temple. Now, again, these things can happen in your home. They can happen, happen anywhere. So it isn't necessarily something unique to the temple in, in our Christian walk now. And in fact, when Jesus was speaking to the woman of Samaria at the well in John 4, she said, well, don't the Jews claim that the only place for meaningful worship was in Jerusalem? Wasn't, isn't there just one place where this, where this can happen? And that Jesus said that the time was coming where everything was going to change. Where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. And with the birthing of the New Testament church as well, when that curtain was torn in the temple, the things that previously had separated God and mankind had been dealt with. But the people continued to gather. Beyond that point, there was still a gathering in the temple and in their homes. In Acts 2.46, this is after the birthing of the New Testament church, it says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. So did that say once per week? No, no, that said day by day. By day. I'll leave that alone. 
But it is a challenge to us, isn't it? You know, if we can consider a, a, a consumer society that, that we are in, that we are wrestling with as kingdom people. Now, there is something that happens when we come together. There is something really unique about pe when people come together. The New Testament refers to multiple instances where the people were in one place and in one accord. In fact, the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit that had been promised came when the people were in the upper room and they were in one place and tongues of fire came down and there were other instances where there, you know, the ground shook because the people were in one place and in one accord. I think there's something significant about that. Uh, a couple of years back, I was at a, a prayer ministry school in Victoria and it was a really unique school because all of the, the prayer ministries were all over by halfway through the school and they had this, like, all this spare time. If anyone's ever been to a prayer ministry school, there's not a lot of spare time. And there was this, this whole evening and it was like, let's just have a time of, of worship. And, and I'll say that this, there were only thir about 30 people there at that weekend, but this was a time of worship like I have rarely experienced in my life. The intensity and the weight of, of what was going on and the presence of God, was, it was incredible. I was seriously looking at the ceiling for tongues of fire. I, in, in my heart, I, I, I'm just waiting for this to happen. It would be such an intensity. And we were there and we were in one place and we were in one accord. Now, I, I didn't see the tongues of fire. I was hopeful. But, but it was an encounter with God all the same. God met us there in that place. It was just this phenomenal, you know, this mark in my life and my memory and that, that I think of, and that was, that was intense. That was incredible. And we had an incredible encounter with God. Because there is this, this corporate anointing, this, this thing when we, when we come together, when God's people come together with purpose, and there it's, it can be different to what we have in a time on our own. Now, we can encounter God on our own. I've had some great times of encountering God on my own and some memorable times there as well. But there is a corporate anointing. And the devil wants to use all he can to stop people from coming together. He wants to, he wants to try and offend and distract and discourage and do whatever ever he can so that people will stop coming together. He wants you to be offended. He will try and use me this morning if he can. I'm going to do my best not to. But I want to say what he, what he says on my, on my heart too. And people buy into this. They buy in, into this, this disruption, this distraction that the enemy wants to bring. So would you tell the people at your table, I do not want to buy into the lie. Yeah? I don't want to buy into this lie. Okay. Okay, so we come aside to the, to the temple to pray, to worship, and to sacrifice. Now, our sacrifice is a little different to how it was in the, in the Old Testament. I won't go into all the gory details. Um, and we have Jesus that we are so thankful for that we no longer have to bring lambs and bulls and pigeons and whatever to 
to pay for our sins, to pay for our wrongs, because it's been done once and for all. And that is the, the life that, that we are blessed to be, to be in. So things have changed. But we still come with a sacrifice of praise. We still come and we bring offerings. We bring financial gifts and, and tithes. We bring our, our time. I think that that's often our, our most closely held resource is our, our time. And we serve here at the house. And this is all a part of our, our worship, all a part of our worship. So point number two. So we need a place where we belong. So as well as being a place where heaven meets earth, the Old Testament temple was also a reminder to the people of, of who they were and where they had come from. They were God's chosen people. And even though other nations tried on many occasions to wipe them out, God's intervention and protection prevailed and protected a nation. You go through history, there have been some serious attempts to try and blot out this, this whole people group. But throughout biblical history, God affirmed that he was their God and that they were his people. Exodus 6 7 says, here's a couple of examples. It says, I will take you to be my people, I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Jeremiah 7:23 says, But this command I gave them, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. And walk in the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. There is a need in, in mankind, in, in how we've been built to belong. God put it there. We want to identify. And through Jesus, we have been taken in, we've been adopted into this family of God. How amazing is that? I'm glad to hear a few amens, that's pretty cool. So we are now a part of this chosen family. We have an identity. We don't have to earn or prove or fight for it anymore, but we, we get to enter into this. We are home, church. Listen to this from John 1 verse 12. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Any qualifiers there today? Yep. All right, children of God. Ephesians 2, 12 to 13 says, Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How amazing is that? That's us. So we need a place to belong. And closely related to that, we need a place to connect with others. Hebrews 10.25 says that we should not be giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we, we can have this tendency to go it alone. We can get in our little holy huddle on our lonesome and, and isolate. And I'm not, we've heard a lot about isolation over the last year. I'm not talking about 
um, government-sanctioned COVID isolation, but this is a choice of the heart. And it must have been the case in the early church. So this is not new because Paul is addressing it there in Hebrews 10. And we certainly see it today because the enemy wants us to be disconnected and isolated. And he will do all that he can to do that, to try and break things. And yet Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we now are God's temple. So this brings an interesting spin on the temple the holy spirit dwells in us because all of these things the barriers and stuff have have gone and yet we have become god's temple it's the church founded by jesus that he is building so even whilst we are the temple there is still this this belonging this 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 identifying, this, this place of coming together that has always been God's intent that we continue in. And this is the, the church founded by Jesus, the one that he is building, and he says the gates of hell will not prevail against. This is the bride that he is preparing. In the Greek, it's called the ecclesia, which means the gathering of those summoned. Anyone been summoned here today? Yes, you got the email? Yeah. <laughs> This is the ecclesia. And if you call yourself a, a, a Christian, a Christ follower, then you are one of those summoned. This meeting together, this assembly. In, from the Greek, it's not just talking about meeting for a coffee or a chit-chat. This talks about a gathering or assembly. If you do any, any digging into that, you'll see that it is a, a formal gathering or assembly. And it all, all works in together because we're meant to have the coffee and a chit-chat as well. You know, that's a part of our, our connection. All works in balance. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says that when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So as, as each of us come here, we all have something that we contribute now, if you're looking through that list and going, oh, I didn't come with any of those today, don't, don't be too stressed about it. This is the type of thing that you, ca you come with. There might be an encouragement for someone to stand, you know, stand alongside of someone. You might not have come with a hymn, and that's okay. Music team did. So we come and we, we contribute. Um, I love it that in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that we each know in part and prophesy in part. And, and what does this mean? It means that often we don't get the whole thing ourselves. And so we need each other. You know, as we hunt out the heart of God, we find that, that together. Pastor Adrian doesn't have all the answers. Room went very, very quiet. <laughs> so if that was a shock to you, I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you. But no one here has, has all of the answers, but we collectively, we work together and we, we piece these things together to get the heart of God. And we are hunting out the heart of God, which is the reflection of his heart through City Light Church at this time. And that's why Paul says that the body of Christ is like a human body, 1 Corinthians 12, with arms and legs and hands and feet, 
and we need every part. Otherwise, we become dysfunctional, and we don't want dysfunctional. And we're made for relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with other people. Now, we are all different, and I want to say to you today, if you're an introvert and don't like doing people at all, that that is not God's design for you. Now, I, I am an introvert. I'm a proud introvert. Um, but it is not God's plan for you that you be lonely and secluded and hidden away. And if, if in your heart there is just this desire to avoid people, then that is evidence of a brokenness that God wants to heal in you. Okay? And I'm speaking from, from my own life here because I've been there. And that is, in, in my place of brokenness, that's where I can find myself. So it's, bro it's brokenness that does that. Introverts love people deeply. They care for people deeply. Extroverts are all right too, I think. <laughs> so if you're an extrovert, don't worry, I, I, I love you too. But I want to tell you, a broken extrovert you don't want to be around either. A broken extrovert can be narcissistic and controlling and, and so driven by the, their brokenness that they need to be the center of attention and validated by, by others. And that, that's a different sort of brokenness. And if that's what drives you today, then, then God wants to bring healing to you as well, okay? So both introverts and extroverts are great to be around. So I want to come to a close with, with one very important point. Jesus greatly valued the temple. Jesus, even though he was the Son of God, the Word made flesh, he still went to the temple from an early age. Luke 2 recounts when Jesus' parents, you know, they'd presented Jesus at the temple, age 12, as part of the festival of Passover. And on their, their way home, a day or so later, they, whoops, where's Jesus? They realized Jesus wasn't with them anymore. We've lost Jesus. Hello, son of God. So they're on their way home. Jesus wasn't with them. It was a whole, you know, it would have been a big caravan of, of, of people. So, you know, easy for people to get lost. And they, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him, and they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening and asking questions. That's from Luke 2. And Mary asked him, what, you know, why did you do this to us? What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And Jesus said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? This is, this is where, where I had to be. This is where I had to find myself. And so Jesus was there both to learn and to contribute. And we do that as we gather together, you know, as the church comes together, we, we continue to do that. We, we learn from one another and we contribute. Jesus knew that this was a place to come aside somewhere of belonging. You can see, hear that belonging there, can't you? In, in Jesus' response, didn't you know I, I, I had to be here? This is my father's house. This is where, where I belong. And he wanted to be with others. Also, so important, another example of Jesus in the temple, quite a different one. About 20 years later, he saw the people treating the temple with contempt and they were irreverent 
and they turned it into a commercial enterprise. And he went topo. That's not um, Greek or um, Hebrew or, or anything. That's Adrianese there. He went, he went wild. Listen to, to this from Mark 11, 15 to 17. And it says, on reaching Jerusalem. Here we go, back in Jerusalem. Father's house, this is where I want to hang out. Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. So Jesus wouldn't stand for things that were wrong that when there was not order. Now, this, this, this little commercial enterprise wouldn't have happened overnight. I don't think that one day the priest would have woken up with this revelation and said, oh, I've got this great idea. Let's start selling doves here. We can, we can do great out of this. But it would have been this gradual creep. And that's how the enemy works, just this gradual creep. And that's why we need to be, need to be watchful as we're seeking out the heart of God, that we too are not creeping into something that is un ungodly. So this isn't a challenge about whether we should be doing coffee or things like that, whether you're allowed to have coffee inside the hall or outside the hall. It's not about that, that at all. This is, a, this is a heart attitude and something that we want to continue to watch for because this should be a place of reverence. So this, our church gathering, yes, it is a place of fun, and a place of freedom and of joy and, and love. But it's not a social club. It is not a cafe. It isn't a networking event where we connect and, and we, so we can wheel and deal during the week. And it doesn't give you any points with God by turning up. Sorry, it's not gonna, not gonna happen. But our coming together collectively is a God-ordained time where God's children come together. It's not about the building. We don't honor the building, but we are, are reverent of the calling, of the summoning of Christians to come and meet together, which is the heart of God, to worship in spirit and in truth, which is the heart of God. And I might just invite Liz to come. I reckon it might be great to sing that, that song Again, which is, which is really a reflection of the heart of God. So us coming together is a God-ordained time. It's his idea. And he is present here. This is not about us doing church. I don't, I don't want to do church, and I, it was never meant that I would do church. But as we come together in obedience to him, and he is building his church... We are the church, and we never do it. If we have to do it, you're going to become exhausted. Anyone ever been exhausted doing church before? I don't want that. I want to move with the Holy Spirit. I want to, want to see God moving in this, in this place. Amen? Because he does church. God, you build it. You build it, Lord, because you say the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell can certainly prevail against my efforts. So let's surrender our efforts today, amen, as we sing this song. We have an opportunity to meet God in prayer, in worship.
and sacrifice. And let's go back to King Jehoash. Let's strike the ground. Let's give this everything we've got. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'll hand on to, to Liz. Let's just really press in. Do what only you can do. With one word, the mountains move. When you 